Welcome back to the Durst Show. The Republicans are still at it. They can't elect a Speaker of the House. Um, they're at recess now. And there are all kinds of rumors that there are things being discussed. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss some of them in a minute. My first question is this. How can these people be voting on Speaker of the House? They have never been sworn in as members of the House of Representatives. Um, some of them have never been in the House of Representatives. They, they were just elected. They haven't taken an oath of office. How can they decide who the third person in line for the presidency is going to be? What status do they have? They're not members of the House of Representatives yet. Yeah, the, the practice, the practice in the House of Representatives is to allow the caucus, once the caucus just means the, the members voting by party, essentially. Um, but the Constitution seems to say differently. And as you know, I read the Constitution and I read it the way it was written. And the Constitution seems to be as clear as it could be that these non-members cannot select the Speaker of the House, that what they're doing today is blatantly unconstitutional. Let's remember one thing. Speaker of the House is one of the few people, other than president, vice president, senators, Speaker of the House is one of the few offices that is expressly provided for in the Constitution itself. Let me read to you from Article 1 of the Constitution. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. So let's be clear. The Constitution uses the same term, the House of Representatives. They use the same term to decide choosing the speaker and the same term to describe the sole power of impeachment. Now, it's so clear that unsworn members elect of the House could never impeach a president. You have to be sworn. They have to take a special oath, in fact, to sit on an, an impeachment in the Senate, at least. So we have one term in the Constitution. The House of Representatives shall choose a speaker and shall have the sole power of impeachment. So I think you have to interpret the words House of Representatives exactly the same way for choosing the speaker and for impeaching. And we know that for impeaching, you have to be a sworn member of the House of Representatives. So I have to tell you, I don't get it. I don't see how any reader of the Constitution can allow these congressmen-elect, these unsworn potential congressmen, to pick a constitutional officer of the United States who is uh, second in line for the presidency of the United States. I have to tell you, I think what we've seen for the last two days is an unconstitutional power grab, an act of ultra-virus, and something that's clearly unconstitutional. Yes, yes, the practice in recent years has been to allow this vote to take place. That doesn't make it constitutional. The rules and the, this isn't even a rule of the House. It's just a practice. The practice and rules of the House do not trump the Constitution of the United States. And I have to tell you, I'm, 
a pretty good constitutional analyst. I've been doing this for 60 years, probably more. Um, when I was in college, I studied constitutional law. I was in high school, I debated constitutional law. So I've been, I've been focused on the constitution for most of my life, probably 70 years. I don't see any reading of this article that permits what's going on today in the House of Representatives. I'll read it again. The House of Representatives, not members who've been elected, not the caucus, not the Democrats, the House of Representatives, meaning the people who have been sworn in as members of the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives shall choose the speaker and shall have the sole power of impeachment. So I challenge any of you out there, and I challenge anybody who is watching this um, to explain to me how unelected, unsworn, they're elected in the sense that they've been elected, but they haven't been, they haven't yet taken their office. Unsworn people who have been elected, but not been sworn in, who are not the House of Representatives. They are not members of the House of Representatives they're potential members of the House of Representatives, how they can perform this constitutional duty. It's a constitutional duty. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker. Explain it to me. I just don't get it. Maybe it doesn't make a difference because once they're sworn, they would vote the same way, presumably. Um, but if if I were the losing candidate on this one, I think I might think hard about bringing a challenge. I, I just don't see how a court could possibly read these words in the Constitution to permit what's going on uh, today. All right. Maybe it doesn't make any difference, but I'm a stickler for the Constitution. And I just don't like the fact that unsworn members who were there with their children and their wives and their fathers and their mothers, and they're waiting to be sworn in, they're waiting to be assigned an office. They don't even have access to the House computers, some of them. Um, so, 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 and they're picking the person who may be the president of the United States uh, after the vice president. It's just not constitutional. And um, it shouldn't happen, even if there is uh, practice that allows it over the years. Practice doesn't determine what the Constitution uh, means. Okay. So what are the options now? There, <laughs> let's start with the nuclear option. I just heard Dana Bash on CNN describe the nuclear option, um, what some McCarthy supporters are saying. What they're saying is they will take a vote allowing the speaker to be selected, not by a majority of the congressman or congressman-elect voting, but by a plurality. Again, there's precedent for that in practice in one of the previous efforts to elect a speaker, which was unsuccessful in the beginning. They lowered the amount to a plurality. All right, that's interesting. But as you know, if it were a plurality in the first six votes, the Speaker of the House of Representatives would be a Democrat, Jeffries, from Brooklyn. We then would have the majority leader of the Senate from Brooklyn, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader of the House, the Speaker of the House from, from Brooklyn as a Brooklyn native. All right, I'm, I'm not unhappy with that. But <laughs> the Republicans certainly, having won the election, 
um, by five seats, um, surely don't want the Speaker of the House to be a Democrat. Now, the manual for the Speaker of the House says expressly, the Speaker of the House shall be nonpartisan and neutral. Right, right. When's the last Speaker of the House that has ever been nonpartisan and neutral? Obviously, they represent their party and they put their party first. You know, some of them put the nation first, but uh, uh, the party is what dominates the Speaker of the House's uh, agenda. So here's the plan that the McCarthy Democrats are putting forward. It's a very interesting, as I say, nuclear option. They're saying to the 19 or 20 um, anti-McCarthy people, look, you only have two choices. It's either going to be McCarthy or it's going to be Jeffries because we're going to have a plurality vote. And if we get a plurality vote, and the Democrats, by the way, will all vote for a plurality because they have a shot at getting Jeffries elected. So so they're going to vote for a plurality, um, um, uh, which would allow uh, not a majority, but more than any, any, any other person, something Jeffrey has won in every one of the six votes. Now, the the tactic of the Democrats is to put it directly to the 19 or 20 dissidents and say, you cannot any longer vote for Jim Jordan or whoever else it is that's a stand in for anti-McCarthy. You can't do that because if you do that, there's going to be a Democrat speaker of the House. So we're calling your bluff. Now, who knows whether the 20, some of whom are real extremists, um, will fall for that bluff. They may say, look, if, if you, we don't think McCarthy is any better than a Democrat. So we'll vote for our guy. And if Jeffries wins, so be it. Um, we could probably get rid of him after a while. You know, we have the votes, but um, it's unclear uh, whether or not they could actually uh, do that. But I doubt the nuclear option would be tried. It's too risky. Um, if it were tried, it would have to be under circumstances in which the Republicans knew that they had the votes in their pocket to have a plurality. Uh, for plurality, all you need is, you know, one more vote than the other side has. And you could get some people who could still stick to their principles and and vote not present or not vote at all as long as they don't vote for uh, Jeffries. Um, uh, but they're still taking a risk because you just don't know. These are uh, unpredictable uh, Republicans and, and, and they're ideologues, some of them. And, uh, you know, it's like people on the hard left. Um, uh, I remember, how did Bush get elected in 2000? Ralph Nader supporters who knew Ralph Nader could never get elected uh, voted for Nader, knowing that that could turn the election over to Bush rather than Gore, saying, look, there's no real difference between Bush and Gore. Yeah, there was a real difference between Bush and Gore. But to radicals, there's no difference. And to radicals, there's no difference um, between uh, McCarthy and Jeffries. They're both deep state actors. They're both, you know, uh, radicals. Uh, in the bad sense of the term, and we radicals in the good sense of the term, we know the truth, so we don't really care. Um, 
other than nu this nuclear option, the only other thing that the Republicans could try is <laughs> outright bribery, quid pro quo. As you remember that a president was impeached because of a quid pro quo. I defended him and uh, argued that quid pro quos, unless they're illegal uh, or unlawful uh, or corrupt, are, are not a basis for impeachment. Here you have quid pro quos all over the place. Um, you have um, members of Congress essentially saying to McCarthy, uh, look, if you make me chairman of this, I'll vote for you. If you make me chairman of that, I will vote for you. If you don't make me uh, a chairman, I won't vote for you. Uh, you know, that's quid pro quo. Um, is that corrupt? Is that illegal? Is it a form of bribery? No, the statutes probably aren't clear enough to make that a crime, but it's certainly not nice. It certainly is not the way the government is supposed to operate, uh, exchanging favors, exchanging quid pro quos, uh, especially if they're designed not to benefit the people, but to benefit a particular individual uh, who would like to be a chairman. I mean, it's one thing to say, all right, vote for a, a new road in my district or a, a new army base in my district. Right? At least you're helping the people in the district. But when you say, make me chairman, um, give me a big office, uh, give me a larger staff, um, or else I won't vote for you, that begins to get close to a line that um, is uh, at least unethical, if not illegal. But we're hearing a lot of that. It's the only other way um, that, that McCarthy uh, gets elected. He has to give in um, to um, the, at least enough of the 19 or 20 to shift the vote. Now, I'm told, and again, I'm, I'm not the expert, I'm listening to people who are, that there are at least five real hardliners that won't budge. And that's enough to prevent McCarthy from becoming the next Speaker of the House. He needs um, not to have five votes against him. Five votes against him doesn't give him a majority. It might give him a plurality if that were the way in which the vote were to take place. Um, look, the Constitution also provides that the, um, each House may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Each House, now when it says each House, obviously, again, it does not mean uh, congressman-elect. Each House means people who have been sworn in the House of Representatives shall choose their speaker. I don't want to belabor this issue, but, you know, if you've taken an oath to support the Constitution, you darn well better support the Constitution. And if I were a member of Congress, I'd be up there railing against this abuse of the Constitution and saying, no, let's get sworn in first. Let's sit. Let's be members of Congress. And then we can take our time and we can elect the speaker. And if we don't elect the speaker... So we can elect a temporary speaker who sits up there and uh, calls on people by name. But we can still vote. We can still legislate. We can still do America's business. That's what the Constitution contemplated. And yet that's not what's going on today. Again, bipartisan violation of the Constitution. The Democrats aren't saying anything. The Republicans aren't saying anything. I don't know anybody who's saying anything. My nephew actually wrote me a note um, asking that 
question, and I said to him, I had asked that question on the podcast yesterday, and then I really did the research, because uh, that's what I do. I read the Constitution, I read the rules of the House, I went back, I looked at practice and precedent, and sure enough, there is practice and precedent in the House, not old, um, but more recent. Um, on the other hand, the words of the Constitution don't change. Uh, the words were written a long time ago. Uh, they're enduring. The framers knew what they were doing. The framers meant when they said the House of Representatives shall choose their speaker. The framers meant members of the House who have been sworn and are serving as the House of Representatives, not a bunch of guys and women who were recently elected who haven't taken the oath of office. So um, that's my view Um by the time we meet again next week, probably there'll be a Speaker of the House. Um, I would not bet a lot of money right now on who it would be. I'm amazed that, you know, today you can't watch a football game, a basketball game, uh, a hockey game without being told what the odds on everything are and how much you can make by betting. And I love these these betting uh, apps and companies, Caesars and everything that say, oh, bet, 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 bet. And then they have a little thing on the bottom saying, don't bet more than you can afford to lose, right? We're really concerned about your welfare. And that's why we put these ads on, urging you to bet because you can make so much money. Well, maybe we can start a new app on betting for who's going to be the Speaker of the House. Um, be a lot of people who probably be interested in, in betting on that, probably more interesting than some of the uh, sports betting. I hate the sports betting that, is not based on the outcome of the case. That's based on you know total score, who has the most this or has the most that. Uh, you know, you, if you're gonna bet, bet on who's gonna win the game, not on the score, not on the spread, not on all of that. That's what professional gamblers do. People who watch sports probably shouldn't bet on them, but if they do, they should be betting on the results of the game, not on all these little minor aspects of the game that make. Uh, no difference. All right. I'm I'm ranting about betting. I don't like it. Um, of course, it keeps sports going. It's probably very important to support uh, sports. So I'm I'm not in favor of outlawing it. I'm just I'm concerned. I'm concerned about it. I was once offered an opportunity to invest in a company that um, has slot machines in very poor neighborhoods in in um, Bottegas and in um, in gas stations and other places, and I refuse to do it. I just don't think that uh, encouraging betting by poor people uh, who really are betting their their meals and betting their their welfare is is a good thing to do. So I'm 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 not in favor of that. I did not invest in that, and I've never invested in 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 gambling at all. Okay, you've heard me on these issues. Now I'll hear you. Here are some questions. Yeah, vaccines help in killing you <clears throat> dead suddenly. <coughs> and I saw a really nasty um, um, article the other day that was taking advantage of the uh, heart stoppage of this uh, football player the other night that um, uh, ended in the suspension of the Bengals game, saying, oh, it must have been the vaccine that caused his heart stoppage rather than being hit in the chest um, by an opposing player's helmet. So people take such 
liberty with facts when it comes to vaccines. I got a lot of those. Um, man, I used to be such a big fan of yours. Well, I still am. But to a much lesser degree, you took four shots. No, I didn't take four shots. I took five shots. I took one initial shot and then I took four boosters. And I'm now feeling a little better. It didn't stop me from getting the uh, COVID, but it may have prevented me from becoming sicker at age 84. When you get COVID, you have to be uh, concerned about the effect of uh, comorbidities and age and all of that. And I have a few of those things, so age particularly. So I'm glad I took the vaccines and I am a supporter of both vaccination, science, and skepticism. If you have skepticism, express it. Fine. Pelosi, more amiable than McCarthy? You must be joking. Pelosi is eminently unlikable. Now, how come she was able to pull together uh, the speakership? He also has a bunch of radicals. And, you know, the last time the Democrats um, controlled the House, they only controlled it by about 12 or 13 uh, votes. So, it would have been easy for 20 squad members and their associates in the extreme left to um, have said, no, no, we're not going to vote for Pelosi. We'll do the same thing the Republicans are now doing. But Pelosi managed to avoid that. So is it because she's more likable? Is it because the Democrats are more willing to compromise than Republicans? I don't know the answer, but I stand by my view that Pelosi did a very good job in keeping the Democrats together. Not an easy thing to do. Oh, here's, here's one of my favorite paranoid. This one is more than just paranoid. Alan, a question for you. Why has the administration used so many movie sets for speeches, signings? Also explain why four different looking Bidens have appeared. Please explain the videos. Photos don't lie. Talk about conspiracy theories. There are four different Bidens and they're using movie sets. And of course, astronauts never landed on the moon. We know that. There were movie sets. They fooled us all. And and, and of course, 9-11 didn't really occur. Or if it did, it was done by the United States as a false flag operation. People will believe just about anything if it supports their narrative. Now, there are not four Bidens. There's one Biden. He's the only one who's appeared on television. I'm not aware of the use of any movie sets. Dershowitz is nothing but a rhino. Now, I can't be a rhino. Rhino was Republican in name only. I'm not a Republican in name. I'm a Democrat. I might be a dino. You might accuse me of saying I'm a dino. I'm a Democrat in name only. There's some truth to that. I'm not a loyal Democrat. I don't put party first. I don't put it second. I don't put it third. Um, I put it well down along the line. But I surely am not a rhino um, because I'm not a Republican. You can't be a rhino unless you're a public Republican. Okay, so uh, let's get to some a little bit more serious ones. I hope we have some more serious ones today. Professor, this is a good one, yeah. The Constitution is silent 
on if the Speaker of the House has to be a member of the House. That's true. There's nothing in the Constitution about that. Most scholars think the founders assumed that will be the case. I'm not willing to make that uh, assumption. I don't recall reading anything in the in the debates about that, but um, they didn't usually make assumptions uh, like that. It was probably a deliberate decision. If an outsider were elected speaker, would the court uphold that selection or could it be overturned? No, the, the courts would uphold it because there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents it. And it says in the Constitution that the uh, House um, is the judge of its own rules. The House may determine the rules in the proceedings, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm 100% certain the courts would uphold that. I don't think Congress would ever appoint an outsider unless there was such an incredible deadlock that they would have no choice but to have no speaker or an outsider. But the names that have been proposed thus far are not people that the House of Representatives, I think, would uh, select as a speaker, as an outsider. Okay. Occasionally nice ones. Um, thank you, Professor Dershowitz, for reinforcing the need for debate, emphasize the rule of law, and upholding the Constitution. Thank you, Mom. No, my, my mom's no longer with us, but she, she might very well have written that. Um, it's true. Um, I always uphold the Constitution, and I try to be as principled as I possibly can. All right. Does the speaker have to be an American citizen? That's an interesting question. And if so, what if they weren't born on U.S. soil? And if they hold dual, triple, quadruple citizenship, can they become Speaker of the House? And what would be the term of the Speaker? Plus, if the Speaker dies, then who else would assume the position and so on and so forth? Well, some of the answers are clear. You don't have to be a citizen to be a member of the House, obviously. Um, um, uh, you don't have to be a natural born citizen. Uh, that's what I meant. You, have, you don't have to be a natural born citizen. I don't know the answer to the question of whether you have to be a citizen. I suspect you do. You have to you have to take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. But I suspect you could probably be a dual citizen. Uh, there are many countries today that allow dual uh, citizenship. Most of the European countries today do. I'm not aware of any senator, congressman who's ever been a dual citizen. There's never been a president. I'm sure there's never been a dual citizen. But the provision that you have to be born in the United States, and that's not in the Constitution. It says natural born citizen. That means not somebody who has been made a citizen through the operation of the law, um, and and uh, but, but is a citizen based on their birth status. You don't have to be born in the United States. Romney wasn't born in the United States. Um, um, Ted Cruz wasn't born in the United States. There have been a number of others who weren't born in the United States, if you were born to a serviceman serving abroad, like um, some people have been, or if you're born to somebody who's doing business abroad, you're still a citizen of the United States and a natural border citizen, and you can run for, for president. Um, but, um, um, but what if the speaker dies? Well, that's pretty easy. The House has a rule for that, and uh, they would just elect another speaker right away. And I'm sure there have been situations where uh, speakers have have died. In fact, um, uh, I think there's a vacancy right now in the House, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it's from Virginia, where um, an elected member of Congress um, has died. And every state has its own rules for how you fill vacancies. Um, in some cases, the governor can fill it uh, for a short period of time. 
until there's an, another election in other jurisdictions, the governor can fill it for until the end of the term. So that's generally going to be a matter of, of state law, not a matter of federal constitutional law. Uh, here's, here's, here's a neutral one. That's not, this is not from any kind of a, a Democrat. Uh, Hakeem is the speaker. He got the majority. No, no, no. You have to understand the word majority. He says he got the majority of the votes cast vote, which is not a majority of the full house, nor does it have to be Speaker Jeffries. Well, you know, that may come to be, but uh, right now the rule is you take the number of members of the House who are actually there and you divide that in half plus one, and that constitutes a majority. That's required to elect the Speaker on the six first ballots. There has been no majority. Jeffries got a plurality. And the reason he got a plurality is precisely because you need a majority. He never would have gotten a plurality if a plurality could elect the speaker because Republicans at that point would have gathered together and they would have said, better a Republican we don't love than a Democrat. And that may happen. That may be the solution in the end. It may be that there would be enough votes to change the rule and have only a plurality, not a majority. And then the dice will be rolled by the Republicans. Uh, they will hope, and maybe they'll know in advance, that uh, if the choice is between Democrat Jeffries or Republican McCarthy, even the 20, and maybe even the five, will end up having to vote for uh, McCarthy because the last thing they want is the Democrat to be the Speaker of the House. It's playing with dynamite. It is called the nuclear option, not for nothing. And so we'll see. By the time we come back next week, we'll know the answer to that question. In the meantime, write to me and tell me whether you think this whole effort has been constitutional or we've been watching an unconstitutional violation of Article 1. See you next week.